in my life, in our church family, and in our community. Fill us with humility, love, and passion. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. May the name of Jesus be held in high honor in all that we say and do. Amen. So you think about kind of that focus. We try to be able to focus in on what the Lord is doing. And as we go that route and try then to kind of daily live that that kind of way, that kind of um, focus in on the Lord and the Lord's breakthrough. We've offered these books, um, Chosen, uh, where devotionally for 30 straight days you could read a chapter a day and focus in on what the Lord is doing. And it helps us then to focus in on what we call the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So that each day then, it's almost like each day could be a Sunday where we focus on the Lord and we focus on what he's doing. And we keep kind of reminding ourselves of what he has done. And then we live out our life from that power that God has for us. As we think about doing that in this particular kind of time of year, we mentioned last week that God's love that we receive, we can then share with other people. And in February, where we focus in on love and we think about Valentine's Day, regardless of whether you've got a significant other or not, you can think about the fact that you are significant in God's eyes. And as you receive that love from God, then you can love other people more, more deeply and more compassionately and with a tremendous amount of patience and self-sacrifice. It takes time. Sometimes you have to grow in that kind of love, grow in receiving that love and sharing that love with other people. But, um, but it works. It's absolutely tremendous. So we talked last week about this new commandment that Jesus gave. Now, this is 2,000 years ago, so it seems like, ah, that's kind of an old commandment to us. But in that day and age, it was new because God was doing a new thing through Jesus. He had the Old Testament before Jesus, and then you've got the New Testament written about Jesus' life and his death, his resurrection, and all the ministry that then the early Christians did. And as Jesus was on earth, he said, a new command I give you. Now, I'm going to let you kind of say this with me, because this is our, our memory verse of this particular time of year for this particular month. So let's kind of declare that together, if you would. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. John 13, 34 to 35. Now, what was new about that? Well, let's kind of go back to something else Jesus said and think about Old Testament, New Testament, and and how he bridges that and how Jesus looks at the Old Testament kind of love and then takes it another step in a way that was new. So this particular statement, do to others as you would have others do to you. As you want others to do to you, that's how you should treat them. Do to others as you would want others to do to you. It's called the golden what? Golden rule. Now, Jesus himself said, this summarizes the entire Old Testament. I realized in the first service, I thought, wait a second. That means that you could go home and tell your mom if she's there or call your mom if she's somewhere else and say, mom, I'm going to memorize the whole Old Testament. And she's going to be impressed. That's hundreds of pages. That's a ton. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of you. And then you could go and memorize this one statement and be like, Jesus said, that's like the summary of the whole thing. That summarizes the entire Old Testament law and prophets. And she's probably not going to be impressed about that. However, she will be super impressed if you actually live this out. Because now you're saying, I'm going to proactively do to other people what I want them to do to me. But there is a problem with this. And sometimes 
folks have, haven't kind of realized what that problem is. So let's lean into this for just a second and let me do it in such a way where we just kind of ask you some questions, all right? I'm gonna let you answer the questions. And then we're going to be able to kind of see how this doesn't quite match and fit exactly with what we may think. All right. So let me ask you, number one, how many of you really love having your house at 65 degrees or colder? How many of you? How many of you? See, be proud of that. I'm saving the environment, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. Fantastic. All right. How many of you love really, really, really spicy food? Really spicy food. How many of you love that? Right on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, very, very, very good. Okay, um, how many of you love, now be, be honest, how many of you love Hallmark movies? Yeah, absolutely, look around, oh my goodness, there are a ton of these, ton of hands. Absolutely, that's fantastic, okay, that's great. All right, final question. How many of you really like ferrets? You know, little ferrets, ferret, ferrets, yeah, it's fantastic. See, my wife loves ferrets too, okay? All right, now, do to others as you would have others do to you. So you would assume then that you could probably invite me to your house and eat super spicy foods, watch Hallmark movies, one after the other after the other, in a, in a room that is colder than 65 degrees and have ferrets running around and crawling up and around us. And you're gonna love it, maybe. For me, that's torture. I don't like any of that. No, please, no. Oh my gosh. If you come to my house and you see me watching a Hallmark movie, you will be like, Nathan really loves Jennifer. He does, and I do, I, you know, sit there, yeah, absolutely, you know. Now, you, you see what I did there, right? Sometimes that which we think is loving for the other person, they're not interpreting that as loving because that's not what they would want to have done to them. Does that mean that the Bible's wrong? No, it's not wrong, but this is a generalized statement summarizing Old Testament way of being and loving other people, and it's more like a proverb where generally speaking, this is an amazing thing for us to do and live out, but we have to step back and say, wait, maybe there's one more step of love and sacrifice and concern for the person that I need to take. Remember, Jesus then said, this is a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, and there's another step. Let me give you another example, and this is painful. This is one of the worst things that I ever did in my relationship, but I'm gonna put it on the table anyway. The very first Mother's Day, okay? Now, my wife, she's not my mom. She wouldn't expect a gift, right? Like, I mean, you know, I would expect, you know, it, you ought to give your mom a gift, right? Oh man, that's so painful. Some of you are like, uh, I don't know whether to laugh or cry or dude be like, holy cow, man, are you kidding me? You didn't do something special for your wife on that very first Mother's Day where she gave birth to the little baby Jesus that we said last week is baby Jesus, right? I messed that up. Holy smokes, right? Now, you see where we're going with this. To love like Jesus, Jesus did for us what we didn't even know we needed. It's like Jesus could get into your heart and your mind and understand that you need to understand what love looks like. You need to be died for. He died for you even if you didn't think that you needed it. He was like, I know you need it. So it's like he took the golden rule and then put it on spiritual steroids and said, wait, I'm gonna take an extra step to understand you even better than you understand yourself, and I will live and sacrifice for you in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. God showed his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He died for us while we were still sinners. That means that we didn't know we needed it. We may not have even wanted it. And even if Jesus would have told us in our most sinful day, hey, I'm gonna forgive you, you know, I said, I don't need your forgiveness, right? 
And yet he still took that extra step to say, I love you that much. I will connect with you. I will love you and I will forgive you. So in the midst of all that then, we start realizing, wait, so the way that Jesus loved us is a little bit different. It's an extra step. I'm going to mention this a lot throughout February because this is life transforming. No kidding. To know that God's son looked at you and said, even if you were nailing me to the cross, even if you were crucifying me, even if you were committing murder and killing me, I would still look at you with love and, with love and say, Father, forgive that person. They don't know what they're doing. They don't, fully extent, they don't fully understand the extent to which they're sinning or the way that they are broken. How do we know that? Because Jesus himself, when he was being nailed to the cross, he looked at the people doing that. And maybe he was laying on the ground, maybe they had outstretched his arms, maybe they're pounding in the nails, maybe he's writhing in pain and he's screaming in pain. And then as he's, as he's hanging there, he still says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. That is the love that then Jesus says, here's a new idea, here's a new commandment, go even farther than do to others as you would have them do to you. Now do to them what I would do to them. Ah, now that's extremely helpful because maybe the way that you were taught to be kind or loving was a little perverted. Maybe you're like, wait, I didn't really grow up with like the warmest home or I didn't have friends that really cared about me. I'm not exactly sure how to act and how to love other people. And Jesus is like, I know, I get that. So I'm going to show you what it looks like. And then now you go and do likewise. You go and love other people like I love them. So said a minute ago, the Bible declares that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's replace the word sinners with idiot for a second. Does, does God love idiots? Does Jesus love idiots? And then does Jesus call us to love idiots? And you already said, yeah, right? Have you ever been an idiot? Okay, thank you. Makes me feel a lot better because I put on the table. I've been an idiot before, right? All right, so in Jesus's case, he called his disciples to follow him. And then they were arguing about who was the greatest. And I was trying to imagine what that would be like. And so that's why I put on the screen there. You know, they're saying, he loves me more. Nuh-uh, I'm his favorite. No way. You're dumb. You smell. Your hat looks ridiculous. Yeah, well, your headband makes you look like a hippie stoner. You know, you know what I mean? Now, that's not an exact translation of Luke 22, 24 and following. But... It gets at the idea, these guys had gotten admitted into the school of their dreams, so to speak. Now remember, 2,000 years ago in Israel, it was a real phenomenon where rabbis would walk around and they would call individual students. Now a typical rabbi then would be thinking, is this student smart enough? Is this student brave enough? Does this student know the scriptures well enough, right? So Jesus, when he called his 12 disciples to specifically be in deep friendship with him and to follow him and to learn from him, that was like getting admitted to the college of your dreams, right? Like, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. This is so great. And you would think they would have amazing gratitude in their heart. Oh, Jesus, thank you for loving me and providing for me and wanting me as your student. Thank you. But instead, they behind the scenes are arguing about who is the most important to Jesus. And who's the first one? Who's the greatest? And Jesus has to address them and talk to them about that. Now, I don't think it's a stretch then to say that maybe in the human side of Jesus, he was thinking, you idiots, right? Like, are you kidding me? So I started thinking about that and how Jesus has, has compassion. 
this election time, I'm wondering if, if maybe Jesus is reading some of what's being posted or being Snapchatted around or, you know, whatever. Is he like, you know, doing the, the, the face plant? Like, you guys, what part of love one another don't these idiots understand, right? What in the world? A good friend of mine, I saw what he posted recently after this whole, this has been an eventful political week, hasn't it? <laughs> Some controversy out there, right? And I, I saw what he, what he put out there for everybody, the Americans and the Russians to see, right? And, and it was his language. I knew it. I, I was like, oh my gosh, man, I can't believe. And he would say he loves Jesus, and I know it, and he doesn't go to this church, so that's why I'm safe maybe talking about it. And I think about the things that I've said, you know, maybe even behind closed doors. Sometimes you just think, oh my gosh, what an idiot I was. What I, what I said, what, what is Jesus thinking? And yet in the midst of that, he still says, I died for you, I love you. Like, I know you're being an idiot right now, so let's, let's just go ahead and be on the same page and admit that and say, okay, I love you anyway. So, I don't know, it's just kind of having fun with that because this is heavy, I know. And I thought, I love that t-shirt. Maybe somebody would like to buy that for me for Father's Day. I don't know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we're trying to love, love idiots like Jesus did. And you have to imagine... Because remember, those disciples that were arguing about who was the greatest, somebody saw that, remembered that, and wrote it down, and it made it into the Bible. So somebody's watching this going on, right? And probably thinking, are you, are you kidding me? Like, seriously? And they're probably thinking, Jesus, like, why don't you kick those guys out of class and get a couple other disciples? I mean, right? I mean, if somebody goes against us as an idiot and hurts us, don't we just write them out of our life? I mean, you know, there are, other, there are other people out there to be friends with, right? And yet Jesus tolerates it, loves them anyway, stays in relationship, and eventually dies for them, even though they don't know it, they don't understand it, they don't appreciate it. That's a powerful thing. There was one conversation that Jesus had with one of his best friends, a disciple, who's following him. And that disciple, when Jesus said, here's what's going to happen, Basically saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to give my life for, for, for humanity. That disciple said, may it not be so. You're wrong, Jesus, you shouldn't do that. And if you remember the story, Jesus says to that guy, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about being an idiot. Talking to Jesus, and then Jesus saying, this is so bad, what you're saying, your attitude is straight from Satan. And so again, you might think, well, then Jesus probably kicked him to the curb and was like, well, I need, a better, I need a better disciple. But he didn't do that, did he? He stuck with that disciple, later said that that disciple was going to be one of the key leaders for the church. Because Jesus knew in his patience, his love and forgiveness of this guy, he knew that guy would turn, he would confess, he would come back, he would repent, kind of turn back to God and say, nope, okay, God has forgiven me through Jesus, I'm going to follow, I'm going to be all that Jesus has called me to be. So, what about when we're acting like a baby, right? What about when, when we kind of get that attitude, well, you're not the boss of me, Jesus. Anytime we sin against God, this is what we're communicating, right? We're saying, you're not the boss of me. I'm gonna do what I want. You're not the boss of me. I'm gonna do what I want. And yet, God looks at us and says, I still love you. I'm still having patience on you. I'm still offering you forgiveness, through Jesus, I died for you. I paid the penalty for your sin. I know you can't make up for it. What you did, you can't make up for it, but I can make up for it. So God makes up for it for us. He says, okay, all right, still loves us, still offering grace. 
the New Testament then, as the Christians started following Jesus, now you understand why under a Roman emperor system that said, this is silly, this is ridiculous, you should not follow Jesus. It's not, I mean, the government was so against them that in the next few hundred years, there were times where they were fed to lions, they were, they were boiled alive, they were cut. I mean, it was bad, right? So you're like, you better, if you're gonna risk your life for Jesus, you had to be really sure that Jesus was the real deal, right? So writing back and forth about this guy Jesus Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, bless those who persecute you. Now hold up. They may have been like, wait, my friend Agrippola just got fed to the lions for trying to follow Jesus. Are you kidding me? Like, I want to curse the Roman Empire right now. I want to call down the, the fire of heaven to, to burn them all to death. And Paul's like, hold up, hold up. You know Jesus. You know how he would have handled this. He would have blessed them anyway. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that statement. Because sometimes when you're offering grace, somebody is still not going to accept it and they're still going to act like an idiot back, right? Let me repeat that. If you offer grace to somebody, you're being kind, there's no guarantee that they're going to act nice back, right? So there may still be a limit to which you're not in harmony with the person, but now it's their decision. You've offered grace. You've offered that love. Now they have to respond back in that love and grace. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, okay? Start thinking about that. Now it makes sense. This is a new way of looking at it. This is a new way of looking at it. It's not just, hey, I'll treat others as they treat me, you know, do to others as they do to you. <laughs> no, hold up. If they're being an idiot, you're going to bless them. I'm trying when I'm driving to at times when somebody cuts me off to bless them with true blessed words. Like, you know, you know, like a real prayer, you know, like, you know, God bless them, you know, have peace upon them. I'm trying that when people, you know, treat me in such a way that I might be tempted to say, you're an idiot. I'm trying, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying to get better and better to be patient. I'm trying with friends that I have where I'm like, man, I can't believe you're doing that to still have grace with them, still try to bless them. You know, I'm trying, but it's a, it's a new way to live. It's a different way to live. And I'm constantly coming back to the idea. If Jesus suffered for them in the midst of their idiocy and in the midst of my idiocy, then I'm going to be able to do that too. So final image. Okay. First responders, um, we may have some here. Are you a first, anybody with a first, who's a first responder, would you raise your hand? Fire, firefighter, uh, yeah, perfect, okay. Police, we have a few around, yep, fantastic. Um, how many of you were in the military or in the military now? Would you raise your hand for a second? Okay, perfect, okay, put your hands out. Now, let me ask you all, did you get to pick and choose? Hey, I'll, I'll defend or I'll protect or I'll save the people, but only those that deserve it? No, right? Like, this is insane. I've, I've talked to first responders where they were like, I, I had to go in and save this person, but it was because they were being an idiot that I had to go in and save them. It's be, we warned them to get out, and they didn't get out, and now I've got to go in, and I've got to risk my life for that person, right? Or I've got to risk my life to try to take that person to jail rather than shooting them when everything in me wants to shoot them because of what they've done and how idiotic they've been, Right? 
or I've got to go risk my life for a country that at times I'm not even proud of and I'm mad at, but I'm going to still risk my life for those people that are idiots. Are you kidding me? But you know that's the right thing to do, right? We know that. This Coast Guard picture, I love, I love the whole idea that even if the boater is stranded at sea because they were an idiot, you know, they, they had a vessel out in the water that shouldn't have been out there, or they didn't take enough gasoline, or they were drinking too much and they should have gone back when, they, you know, when, the, when the storm was coming, still the Coast Guard will risk their life to go and save that person that was being an idiot. That's a picture, just an analogy, of God's love for us where God keeps reaching out to us, as idiotic as we are. We know that we're in, when we're in the basket of God's love, we're going to look back on that day and be like, I cannot believe I was such an idiot. We know that, but God's like, look, I still love you. I still have patience with you. I, Jesus then, when he reached out to Peter, remember Peter was walking on water, and then he started getting really scared and stuff, and then he's sinking and he's about to drown. And Jesus is like, on it, man. You can see that I have all power. I can help you. And yet Jesus, instead of walking over to, to Peter and being like, serves you right, and squishing him down in the water, instead of doing that, he re- reaches down and he pulls him up, right? And I can picture Jesus embracing Peter and saying, you're going to get it someday, <laughs> You're, gonna get, you're, you're getting there. I know you're an idiot right now, but brother, I love you. Stick with me. Stick, let's get back to the boat, right? God's love comes to us regardless. Then our love can go to others regardless. Let me pray for us for a second. God, I pray that you would help us to see with compassion those that don't really fully know the, what they're doing. They're hurting themselves. They're hurting other people. We've all been blind like that sometimes. And so God, help us to have patience with that person. Help us to reach out to them like you did and Jesus to all of humanity and even to individuals when you're walking and talking on earth. And so God, as we pray and as we worship, we pray that you'd do a work in our heart to enable us to love people like that. May it be so by your Holy Spirit that is upon us and moving within us in Jesus' name. Amen.